Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 206. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me, according to the regulation and uniform code of military justice. So help me God. For the last few months, Michael Voris and I have been singing off the same page incessantly about knowing and sharing the faith. If it seems like we're possessed by this notion, you're right. We are. So Michael and I are going to share this episode again. Some people have asked me if their nonprofit websites have to be ADA compliant. If it generates revenue in any way, the answer is yes. I certainly can't afford to be fined by Uncle Sam or sued by slip-and-fall lawyers. It would crush this apostolate, so I've made the Cantankerous Catholic website fully ADA compliant. ADA website consultants charge $4,000 for minimum compliance, which keeps the government from fining you. 
They charge eleven dollars to $15,000 for full compliance, which is the only way to avoid lawsuits. I've learned how to make websites compliant. I'll make Six Pack Warriors websites fully compliant for only $1,000 or $100 a month, which will save you $10,000 to $14,000 now and protect you from crippling lawsuits that you can't possibly win later. Not sure if your site is fully compliant? Click on the link in my show notes at cantankerouscatholic.com to reach out to me. Include your site's URL, and I'll check it out and send you a full report with what I find. Protect yourself from financial ruin and support this apostolate at the same time. I want to remind you to send me your questions for Bishop Strickland. We're running low on questions, really low. There are only enough questions for another month of the Sacred Heart wins. If there aren't questions for Bishop Strickland, there won't be any more segments with him. He'll go elsewhere. So send me your questions. There are a dozen ways to reach me on cantankerouscatholic.com. On November 23rd, Michael Voris had a vortex titled Silver Bullet or Silver Bell. In this episode of The Vortex, which we're going to listen to almost in its entirety, Michael was doing double duty. On the one hand, he was promoting a Christmas special sale for church militants, The One True Faith, on CD, which I highly recommend. On the other hand, and more important than any sale, he was giving an eloquent and well-reasoned explanation of why you must learn the Catholic faith. And out of all the correspondences and contacts I've had with six-pack warriors, it's grossly apparent that less than 1% of you can honestly say you know the Catholic faith. Let me repeat that. Less than 1% of you can honestly say that you know the Catholic faith. Don't be offended by that comment. It's not your fault that you don't know the faith. You've been cheated out of it. The bishops of the USCCB cheated you out of it with either their cowardice or their faithlessness. But you can and must do something about it now. In the meantime, let's listen to Michael. In these troubling times, times it appears are only going to grow more troubling, various knee-jerk reactions have set in with some good people, emotionally ill-equipped for the abyss of evil in the political world and everywhere else, they find themselves staring into, they either deny it or downplay its significance. They routinely poo-poo the reality of the crisis. They attack the messengers, they make up excuses and rationalize, and all of that, whatever works best for them. You can refer to this group as the whistling past the graveyard gang. But there's another very common knee-jerk reaction crowd as well. We can call this gang the Silver Bullet Contingent. They understand the evil and its depths facing them square in the face, but instead of admitting the long-haul battle needed to combat it all, they scramble about for a silver bullet, the easy-out approach. So they're more inclined to turn to things like prophecies and visions and interlocutions, all of that. They follow after anyone who comes along with a quick cure for what ails the world. Both types, the Whistle Past the Graveyard Gang and the Silver Bullet Contingent, they're off base. They may be motivated by good intentions of wanting things to be right, but as the old saying goes, one that exists for a reason, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. What needs to be embraced in all its horror and consequent realities is this. The world, including the church, 
did not arrive at this point suddenly or in just the last few years, and it will not pull back from it with denial or a quick cure. We are where we are, and we've arrived here over a long period of time. Many players, many moving parts, but one goal in mind, the destruction of Catholicism. It's a spiritual war, every last bit of it, with many overlapping parts and players. Unfortunately, a significant portion of the bishops and the hierarchy have had a major part in this still unfolding drama. Whether they were duped or willing to be part- willing participants or they're just too cowardly to provide a strong pushback depends on which individual bishop you may be talking about. But it is clear that almost none of them is up to the task of doing what needs to be done to combat all of this. In fact, it is also clear that many of these men don't actually believe the faith. Common sense dictates no other conclusion. And these enemies of Christ cannot continue to hide behind the excuse of prudence in excusing themselves from the bold response that is now needed, needed for decades, as a matter of fact. So the faithful, like it or not, are now largely left to their own devices to learn the faith. In fact, as many now reach that conclusion on their own and begin to explore some basics they were never taught or exposed to, they are shocked at just some normal foundational truths the church has always taught, but they have never heard. Again, they've never heard them because the men in charge of teaching them either don't believe them or they're too chicken to announce these truths. This apostolate was founded going on 17 years ago on this basic principle, that the average Catholic simply was not taught the authentic faith, period. Over the years, this has been testified to us hundreds of times, perhaps thousands of times at this point. It was the sole reason we established our work, and as a result, was the reason the very first productions we ever made and continue to enforce is the one true faith. There are 118 episodes of about an hour each touching on practically every topic you can imagine in the church, church teaching. It was produced before we realized the true extent of the damage that had been inflicted on Holy Mother Church, both intentionally and unintentionally, but nevertheless is now the operating principle in most Catholics' lives. As we surveyed the disaster before us, socially, politically, culturally, and most especially theologically, and in keeping with the idea that this is a long-haul battle, not a graveyard or silver bullet approach, we are happy to put before you, again, the complete collection of the One True Faith episodes. It's available for you in our store and is our Church Milton featured Christmas special this year, complete with a limited 50% discount with all the other Black Friday weekend consumer sales going on. Over a 100 hours of straight-up, plain-talk, authentic Catholicism. And we can assure you it's not for the faint of heart. Huge numbers of Catholics have been duped by easy-to-hear fables and lies like, almost no one goes to hell. Purgatory, well, they got rid of that after Vatican too. Mortal sin is really hard to commit, if not impossible. Mass is a communal meal, not a representation of Calvary. Confession, eh, that's not really a thing anymore. In short, owing to wicked and cowardly leaders, the vast majority of Catholics who still believe in God, that is, are functioning as Protestants, and bad Protestants at that. 
The world goes the direction the church goes because only the Catholic Church, because of who founded it, has the ability to defeat evil. And only the most obtuse person would look around the world these days and say it is not a wash in evil. So the question is why? How did all of this happen? How did we get here? Easy answer, because the solution to it has been cast aside. Catholicism has been marginalized, and not so much by the world, although that is true, but by the leaders themselves who have made compromise with the world at every turn, especially the past hundred years, which for the record predates Pope Francis. So don't blame everything on him. Not that he's not a problem, but stop doing this little silver bullet. Oh, it's Pope Francis. This has been going on for decades and decades before he was even born. As we sit here today, there is not a single reason to think that these leaders, any of them, have the desire or even the ability to turn things around. As Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen said 50 years ago, it's up to the laity. The bishops cannot give what they do not have. No one can. It's a basic philosophical impossibility. Can't give what you don't have. So as we look to the solution, ditch the silver bullet nonsense and consider our Christmas gift as a silver bells approach. Too much is at stake, meaning eternity, not patriotism and politics and so forth. Eternity. Those will come into line, patriotism and all of that, when the spiritual order is set right and reestablished, not before. It doesn't mean a good person can't work on both at the same time, but it does mean a proper order must be created. And at the top, there must be a solid working knowledge of the Catholic faith in its authentic expression, a living out of it, springing from that knowledge and then leading to a love of it. Many of the church's teachings have been twisted and distorted, wrapped up in such a manner as to empty them of their significance and their import. It's high time, beyond time actually, for Catholics with goodwill but not knowing what they don't know to begin to embrace the reality that the world is off course because the church has been betrayed from within. So, Please strongly consider this Christmas giving a present for yourself or others, both, that has the potential to really make an impact, the gift of the Catholic faith in its authenticity. So please click on the link to place your order and use the code HALFOFFOTF to get the 50% discount. I don't care how much Catholic school you've attended, from kindergarten to university, you don't know the faith. I don't care that you've been a Catholic all your life. You don't know the faith. In many cases, I didn't care that you're an adult convert. You probably don't know the faith. I had an adult convert contact me recently. He's a regular listener to this show. He told me that he learns things about the faith on this show every single week that he didn't know and now admits that he was poorly catechized as a convert. He is certainly better catechized than the cradle Catholics around him, but he's simply largely ignorant of the faith. Michael mentioned several Catholic fables in this vortex. One he mentioned was the general belief that almost everyone goes to heaven. I hope you're not one who believes that, because reality will gravely disappoint you. Jesus said out of his own mouth that most people are going to hell. In Matthew seven thirteen and 14, he said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, 
and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. If your faith consists in going to Mass on all Sundays and Holy Days, avoiding sin, and going to confession often, chances are that you're still going to hell. Sorry, if you don't like that, take it up with Jesus. He said it, not me. The way is hard that leads to eternal life. Going to Mass and confession and avoiding sin are not hard. They're just basics. Serving our country is hard. When a man joins the military, he gives years of his life toward that end. Ask him if serving his country is hard. If he's one of the lucky ones who made it back alive, you may be chatting with him absent of an arm or leg. His face may look like hamburger. The one medal he'll have is a purple heart, which is given for injuries received in battle. Go ahead, ask him if that was hard. Now compare that to serving Jesus and his church. What hardships have you had to face serving him? How difficult has your service been to Jesus and his church? Oh, you had to get out of bed on Sunday morning. And what a hardship it was to put that money in the offering basket while you were thinking about the new boat or truck accessory you could have used that money for. Oh, and let's not forget about the 30 minutes you spent in adoration, sacrificing because the best stuff at the parish party is going to be gone when you get there. Someone who knows about my health issues and the probability that they're going to kill me came by the other day. He asked if I hadn't done enough. He asked me if it wasn't time to retire. Retire! As long as God allows my brain to function and I can still talk, I'll never retire. I'll never have done enough. I refuse to go to my judgment to be found wanting. Your Catholic faith must cost you personally. If serving Jesus in the Catholic faith isn't costing you, if it isn't full of hardship, you need to face the reality right now that you're probably going through the motions and that you're actually bound for hell. Jesus said that the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Get involved in our holy and ancient faith. Learn and live faith, which includes doing all you can to become a saint and share the faith, or have the mortician pack asbestos pajamas in your casket, because you'll need them where you're going. I'm not judging you. I'm using Jesus' own words to make you face reality. Michael mentioned other Catholic fables, but if you take Matthew 7, 13, and 14 to heart, any other fables he mentioned that you may hold are automatically eliminated. All of this apostolate, everything I do, is worth all that it costs me on a personal level if just one of you six-pack warriors accept the graces to learn the faith, apply the faith, live the faith, and work to become a saint and evangelize. Nothing. Absolutely nothing will change in the church on earth or in the world if you don't accept these graces. And despite all your efforts, you may not ever help another soul into heaven, but at least you can get your own soul to heaven. Need advice? Want help? Reach out to me. If you own a website that generates revenue for you, directly or indirectly, 
According to a recent Supreme Court ruling, you must be compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA. If you're not compliant, the government can fine you $50,000. Slip and fall lawyers are scouring the internet for non-compliant websites to sue on behalf of disabled clients for tens of thousands of dollars. One disabled man has filed over 800 lawsuits against non-compliant site owners. There were over 10,000 suits filed in 2020, but that number grew to 100,000 in 2022. Once they file suit against you, the government will definitely fine you, and there's no way to win against the fines or suit. You simply have to settle. Getting your website ADA compliant is very expensive. The minimum I've seen charged for this service is $4,000, but I've seen as much as $15,000. Well, I've learned how to make websites ADA compliant. If you want your website ADA compliant and avoid lawsuits and fines, as well as help finance this apostolate at the same time, for you six-pack warriors, I'll only charge $1,000 for full compliance. The $4,000 minimum charged by other ADA compliance consultants will only keep you from being fined. It takes full compliance to keep you from being sued, but that costs from $11,000 to $15,000. Again, I'll do full compliance for any six-pack warrior for only $1,000 or $100 a month. Just click the link in my show notes on cantankerouscatholic.com and we'll get your site ADA compliant. Get compliant or risk lawsuits and fines. It's time for the Sacred Heart Wins with Bishop Joseph Strickland. Each week, His Excellency answers your toughest questions about the Catholic faith, the problems in the church, spiritual questions, catechetical topics, or anything else you want to know. If you have a question, just email it to joe at cantankerouscatholic.com. Now here's Bishop Strickland and Joseph Pack, the Every Catholic Guy. Hello again, Six Pack Warriors, and welcome back to the Sacred Heart Wins and the Sacred Heart Always Wins. Uh, once again, we have Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas with us, and he's ready to answer all of your questions, no matter how hard they are, no matter how uh, <laughs> cantankerous they can be, <laughs> keeping with the cantankerous Catholic. Your Excellency, how are you today? Good, Joe. How are you? Oh, I'm just as happy as a tornado in a trailer park. Um, <laughs> Your Excellency, Peter asks, and this is really pretty good. I like this. Uh, a Jesuit priest, Father John Whitney, residing in San Francisco, wrote an article for America Magazine, you know, our favorite one. <laughs> uh, he accused Archbishop Cordelione of abusing the sacrament by withholding it without process or appeal, like one's needed. Uh, he refrains from using the name, but despite the slyness, we know he meant Pelosi. Should the bishop accept this public rebuke or discipline the priest for clouding a clear issue and contributing, like Pelosi, to scandal and confusion? Well, um, certainly, uh, canonically, according to the catechism, I mean, there's, 
Canon 915 says the bishop should do what he did. Um, and it's it's not it's a matter of the the pastoral judgment of the bishop or the priest in a, in a very specific circumstance. But uh, so, you know, the 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 process that is mentioned is not what uh, the bishop is obligated to. And in in reality, I would even argue, I mean, I don't know a lot of specifics, but um, respecting Archbishop Cordleone, um, he had for years in conversation tried to convert the heart of Nancy Pelosi and been unsuccessful. So he really did, from the Catholic perspective, he did the most charitable thing. And the only thing, it, it took a while, but, you know, he was patient and did his best to truly bring her to conversion. That's what we need to pray for. I, Amen. We believe what the church teaches, and anyone is acting contrary to that. We need to, with love, correct them. But if they uh, don't take the correction, then we need to, you know, to, to do what Archbishop Corleone did. Well, uh, but Excellency, regarding this particular article, the question is, should the bishop accept this public rebuke or discipline the priest? You can't answer for Archbishop Corleone wh whether he should do either one. What no. would you have done? Well, the priest statement is wrong it's inappropriate and how the bishop if it's his if it's in his diocese certainly archbishop corleone has the authority and somewhat the responsibility to respond to this priest um but like you said I, you know i'm i'm not going to tell the archbishop how to handle a priest that is making a statement that's incorrect but certainly the archbishop should not accept this rebuke, as the question puts it, because the priest is not correct. Amen. David asks, instead of spending millions of dollars on Eucharistic revival, why isn't the weekly pulpit used for this purpose? I mean, you've got a captive audience spending money on Congress's solution. I don't know where that one came from. Sometimes I fear too many bishops have become politicians. What do you say about that? Well, I think the questioner points out something that is important. The The pulpit is the the most important tool that we have for Eucharistic revival. Amen. And, you know, that's where we reach the vast majority of Catholic people. Whatever great program is put together, it's going to be a very small percentage of people who can or choose to participate. But uh, so absolutely. Uh, and hopefully part of this Eucharistic revival will give some very clear uh, direction to addressing it in the local congregations at Sunday Mass every Sunday. And I think a lot of priests are beginning to do that. Um, but certainly the Eucharistic revival needs to at least include that as, as an element, I believe. Amen. Actually, if the USCCB, formerly the NCCB, had the N 
is that is that what it used to be? The NCCB. It's, it's the letters have changed around. Okay, a few yeah, times. it's <laughs> it's kind of a corporate thing. <laughs> but if they had been teaching the faith the way they should have for the last sixty years, this Eucharistic Congress wouldn't even be necessary. Wouldn't well, be necessary at all. That's true. Uh, the reason where we're we are where we are in the global church is that we've we've failed to teach the faith, and Amen. that's why your direction to for people to go back and learn their faith and teach it to their kids that's the the most important thing to really know what martyrs through the ages were willing to die for. I mean, that's a pretty high bar to say. You need to know what's so important that people have given their lives for this. And like you said, once you know that, then you'll give your life for it. You're not going to just let it go. You're not going to walk away. Amen. I agree with you absolutely 100%, Your Excellency. Last week, Mary asked a question about uh, uh, the Novus Ordo Mass, and she's got another one this week. (laughs) She asked, is it true that a bishop can force a priest from using Latin in the Novus Ordo? Well, um, a bishop can make a lot of uh, directives. A bishop has a lot of authority in his diocese. The, I guess the question becomes whether it's appropriate for that authority to be wielded or not in a, a given circumstance. But um I mean, I've heard, you know, outside of liturgical situations, bishops b- putting priests under obedience for directives. I, I think as a bishop, I think we need to be very cautious about that. Hopefully the priests take it very seriously when something is put under obedience. But as bishops, I think we need to be very judicious about when we wield that kind of authority. And uh, the question about Latin in the Mass, it, it gets a little more technical. I think canonically, there there would be a big question for me whether the bishop, because there's some things, if it's given as an option in the liturgy, like we were talking about, the, the local bishop, there are some restrictions on what a bishop can, can do regarding eliminating um, options. And, you know, there's a lot of debate because bishops uh, are pretty autonomous in their day-to-day operations. I mean, there are bishops that have directed things that I disagree with. Um, but, you know, as far as the question specifically, I, I honestly don't know the, the specifics of whether that would fall in the category that it's outside the bishop's uh, authority, but a lot of things are within the bishop's authority. So um, you really just have to look at the specifics of the situation. Yeah, without having studied canon law on this topic or the germ, for that matter, on this topic, I suspect it's a question that would ultimately have to be settled by appeal in Rome. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, probably. Yeah, Deborah asks. What this is interesting. I want I'm curious about what you have to say on this. What do you know about Luisa Pecoretta and living in the divine will? 
Well, I, I am aware of all of that. There are volumes of, of writings of, of her diaries, I guess, or her writings and things that have been written. Um, honestly, I'm not uh, well versed in specifically the teachings of Luisa Picaretta. Um, but one thing that I think it is is highlighted that we all need to take it seriously is the importance of God's divine will. Um, I mean, that's really the guide for our lives, seeking God's will. We can't go wrong with that. It's right there in the Our Father. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So rather than endorsing what Luisa Picaretta says, I think there there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of interesting information, but I think what it can do for all of us is is a reminder, just in very basic ways, that as we pray in the Lord's prayer, to really mean it. Thy will be done Amen. on earth as it is in heaven. To go deeper than that, um, I I don't think that the church hasn't spoken officially. I don't think there's anything condemned about what Luisa Picaretta says, but I don't think it's been officially endorsed either. Um, so it's like a lot of private revelation. We're not required to believe, even when the church approves a private revelation, it's not, we're not required to believe it as yeah, like part that of our Lord, right? Yeah. It's yeah. part of the, the, but if you find it helpful, um, I, I think a lot of people are interested in her writings but to always look at any private revelation through the lens of public revelation of the deposit of faith. If there's anything you're not so sure about, then leave it alone. But we can be sure that we're all called, it's right there in the Lord's Prayer, to seek God's, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to really pray that and try to live it in our own, the choices we make daily, Am I living according to God's will? Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Excellency. And Deborah, uh, I'll make this very fast because His Excellency is running a hot clock today. But uh, Father John A. Harden, who died in December of 2000, he's the founder of the Marian Catechist Apostolate. Uh, he was one of only five people who could go in to see Pope John Paul II, without an appointment, was in the whole world. He was vehemently against the divine will thing. He was, in fact, I'm even aware of a debate he had with a priest associated with that, uh, uh, with that ideology, and he was very much against it. Bishop Strickland is right. It's been neither condemned nor confirmed. And I suspect neither thing will ever take place regarding it. But just keep in mind, the the greatest living theologian in the church who died in 2000 was John Harden, and he certainly condemned it. Uh, Excellency, that's all the time we've got for this episode. Uh, we'll see you next week. How's that? Thanks, Joe. Okay. You've heard my commercials about my bulletin insert program for parish priests to subscribe to so their parishioners can learn the Catholic faith. 
The only problem with this program is that the vast majority of priests either don't care about relieving their flock of their catechetical ignorance or they're too cowardly. Either way, these inserts do no good if they don't get into the hands of the people. Well, I've found a way to get each one into your hand. I've renamed these small articles Secrets of the Catholic Faith, and you can get one into your email inbox every week from Substack. It only costs $5 a month or $50 a year. Just click on the link in my show notes at cantankerouscatholic.com. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. King Louis IX of France is also known as King Saint Louis the saint for whom the Midwestern city is named. Once while he was holding court, someone ran in and shouted a Eucharistic miracle was taking place in the chapel as the priest celebrated Holy Mass. Almost everyone ran out of the room from the presence of the king to the chapel to witness the miracle. Someone asked King Louis why he wasn't going to the chapel. His Highness responded that if Jesus appeared to him in the flesh, right there in his royal courtroom, he would not believe in the real presence more than he already does when at Mass. He said, let those who need convincing go. I already believe it in my heart. King St. Louis was one of the most benevolent monarchs in the history of the world, yet he was humble enough to believe in the real presence of Christ with all his heart, like a child. If you're a practicing Catholic, you should believe in the real presence of Christ as the Church teaches it, that He is really and truly present in His body, blood, soul, and divinity. He physically lives in each particle of the host and each drop of the consecrated wine. It's been said that in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, heaven comes down and kisses the earth. This is how God most shows his love for us, by making himself a captive prisoner for us to receive him in communion. Our creator condescends to love us in spite of ourselves. Because of this, we owe him great homage, respect, and an outward showing of our love. With that in mind, I intend to spend this segment of the Catholic Boot Camp explaining some things we need to be reminded of and keep in mind when it comes to Holy Mass and communion. Not all of these things are strictly obligated, but some are simply common sense as a matter of respect. We're obligated, under pain of mortal sin, to attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation year-round. Only those excused for a good reason, such as illness or those who care for those who are ill, are not imputed with mortal sin. Most Catholics know this, but what they apparently don't know is that they have to attend the entire Mass. If you arrive late, after the sign of the cross, or leave early, before the final blessing, you haven't fulfilled your mass obligation and commit a mortal sin. 
obviously having to go to the bathroom or if you were sick or some other such inconvenience, you aren't committing mortal sin then. In order to receive communion, we have to perform the Eucharistic fast under pain of mortal sin. What that means is that we can't eat or drink anything for at least one hour prior to communion. This means no snacking, no drinking of coffee or soft drinks or milk, no chewing gum, no breath mints, or anything else. The only exception is for prescription medication, and that doesn't mean you can take Tylenol and add acid or anything that wasn't prescribed by a doctor. In 1917, Our Lady of Fatima told the children that more people go to hell because of immodesty than any other sin. In those days, women wore dresses that went almost to the ground and covered their arms to the wrist. Imagine how many more go to hell over immodesty today. It's bad enough that today's styles are immodest and that we feel compelled to indulge in them, but the holy sacrifice of the Mass is no place for immodest dress. Not only are we showing grave disrespect to Jesus in the Eucharist, but we're tempting other participants in the Mass to mortal sin against the Sixth and Ninth Commandments. And this is yet another mortal sin called scandal. Related to this topic is the way we dress in general. If the Pope invited you to a private audience, you'd wear the best thing you have, because anything less would be disrespectful. Yet we dress for Mass like we're going to a picnic. Since Jesus, the one we're worshiping in the Holy Eucharist, is the Pope's only boss, why would you go to Mass dressed in less than your best? Under the Old Covenant, we read in the Pentateuch, which are the first five books of the Bible, that God told the Israelites exactly how he wanted to be worshipped, right down to the clothes to be worn, the actions of the people, and the words to recite. The New Covenant is nothing more than a fulfillment of the Old Covenant. Jesus himself said that nothing at all was changed from the Old Covenant under the New Covenant. Jesus gave the Catholic Church the authority to speak for him. Today, just as in the Old Testament where God told his people how to worship him, the Catholic Church tells us how God wants to be worshipped. In the Old Testament, there were severe consequences for any violation of the way God wanted to be worshipped. Therefore, we as Catholics are obligated to follow every single rubric of the map. The little flower said she would give her life for the smallest of rubric. Are we any less obligated? At the sign of peace is where I see most of the abuses during Mass. This is a part of the Mass that's optional for the priest, and many of them don't use it. The reason they don't use it is because they see so much disrespect toward the Holy Eucharist at this time, which is already on the altar. The sign of peace isn't meant for a community fun time. We violate these rubrics when we go to people around the church, waving to everybody, kissing, etc. The proper way to do the sign of peace is to shake the hand with the person on each side of you while quietly saying the words, Peace be with you. Anything else detracts from the Holy Eucharist and the worship given to God in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. When we recite the Our Father, this is not a time for hand-holding, nor is it a time for holding our arms outstretched, palms facing upward. The rubrics of the Mass are silent on the proper posture at the Our Father. 
This means that the laity are to simply stand still, so far as outstretched arms with palms facing upward are concerned, this is a posture that's reserved strictly to the priest. It symbolizes the prayers of the people going through the priest up to God. This is not a posture the laity may perform. Parents, control your children. The Mass isn't a time or place for the children to eat finger food, color in coloring books, flip through children's books, or do other things that can distract parishioners from their worship of God. These children can and should be learning about the Mass. As parents, it's your responsibility to educate your children on what Mass is and how we should participate at the Mass. There are many fine resources available to help you teach your children about the sacrifice of the Mass. Research them. All that's needed here is simple discipline and control. Mothers, nurture your children without spoiling them. Fathers, take your rightful role as the head of your household and instill discipline in all of your family members. This is just a primer, so to speak, of how we should behave at Mass and show respect to the Eucharist. I could say much, much more, but time doesn't allow for me to cover everything that needs to be covered. We'll be tackling these issues in more future boot camps. The China virus lockdown suspended Mass across the country. When restrictions were lifted, few Catholics returned to Mass. Why? Because no matter how you slice it, American Catholics simply don't know our faith. In two different EWTN surveys of Catholics conducted in November of 2019 and February of 2020 respectively, 86% said that their religion is very important to them. Yet 82% reject at least one Catholic doctrine, 41% never go to confession, 61% don't attend Mass regularly, 70% don't believe in the real presence, 84% believe abortion should be illegal, and 55% agree with euthanasia. Clearly, American Catholics are completely or almost completely ignorant of the Catholic faith. If they weren't, these figures wouldn't be so dismal. Despite their lack of knowledge, it's nearly impossible to interest them in catechesis they need so desperately. Well, I've got a remedy for that. Introducing the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts, which are endorsed by Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke. Everyone reads the Sunday bulletin, and these bulletin inserts provide a thumbnail catechism lesson that is anything but typically boring catechism. They not only tell readers what the church believes, but why the church believes it. In the parishes where these bulletin inserts are already being used, parishioners love them. I know because I get emails every week telling me so. If you're a parish priest, you can get three months of what we believe, why we believe it to try it out for free. Some laity get subscriptions for their parishes as well. To learn more, click on the link in my show notes that says Six-Pack System Bulletin Insert. It just requires 11 minutes of your time to see the video. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. 
This week's Catholic quote is from Pope St. John Paul II. He said, From the Eucharist comes strength to live the Christian life and zeal to share that life with others. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. Tommy Harmon, one of the best football players of his day, was a star halfback at University of Michigan. He was drafted into the Army Air Corps in World War II and worked himself up to lieutenant and became a pilot of a bomber. While flying over the wild jungle of Brazil, he and his three crewmen had to bail out. They landed in different places and were separated. Tommy landed in a tree. The only things he had with him were a compass, a small bottle of water, and a rosary. He broke the bottle of water getting out of the tree. The jungle was filled with heavy growth, large snakes, and wild animals. He knew that if he headed east, he'd eventually reach the sea. At night, he'd look for a dry place and pray to the Holy Spirit and the rosary. After some time, he found a path that led him to the hut of an Indian. The Indian took him in for the night, then showed him the way to get back to civilization the next morning. When he reached the city, reporters asked him how he escaped the wild jungle while his crew was probably starved or eaten by wild animals. The Holy Spirit dwells in my soul, he said. He was given to me when the bishop confirmed me. I kept praying to the Holy Spirit that he may lead me. I also kept praying the rosary continuously. I must have said a million Hail Marys. I was sure the Holy Spirit and the Blessed Mother would lead me back home again safely. The Holy Spirit is in your soul as long as you're in a state of grace. He was given to you in a special way at your confirmation. He'll help you not only to be a good Catholic, but also to find your way through the problems of life. Turn to him with confidence when you need light and strength. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It. 